In today's study, we're going to look at the word rethink one more time uh, in this study. We will be doing it for the next few months because today we close out the part of the series where we talk about rethinking everything. And we give you a specific list of things to rethink. Uh, today, and there are five areas that we'll cover. I, I announced the sermon uh, for the last several weeks, uh, and I've changed that. It, it, it was called Rethinking How You Judge People. Say that with me, please. Come on. Rethinking How You Judge People. I was going to spend the whole sermon just on that, but I decided to broaden it out. And there are four more things that are said in Chapter 7 that I thought would be nice to just talk to you about. And all these five things that I'm going to talk about today, they help you identify where your life is going, where your life is headed, is a very important question. And that is the big question for the day. Where is your life headed? Next week, we're going to pick up on that theme and talk more about rethinking the road you're on. Say that with me, please. Come on. Rethinking the road you're on. And we're going to talk about how easy it is for you to not know where you are going. To not stop and say, where am I going? And is this the road that will get me there? Where am I going? And in chapter 7, I just thought these, these five things were so helpful in starting that discussion. They're so helpful in getting you moving in that direction. And so um, I, I look forward to sharing with you. I don't like the Bible text I'm going to teach next week. I, I've never liked it. Um, and that's just me being honest before God. I like the Bible, but the story is horrible. Uh, and it's just an incredible, powerful story. That, that really helps deal with that question. You'll see what I mean next week. But let me, if I can, jump into Matthew chapter 7. Let me read for you the seven simple things that I think are important for me to at least express to you today that I want you to rethink. And so we'll say what they are. And you repeat them after me. Say, rethink, rethink. How, you how you judge people. Today I'm going to show you how to be fair. I want you to rethink how you judge people. If you want your life to be on the right road, if you want to interact with people and have success in life, you've got to know how to, how to rethink the way you judge people. Secondly, rethink not only how you judge people, but how you approach asking. Say that with me, please say rethink, rethink. How, you approach asking. how you approach asking. You're going to ask for things. That's, that's a given. But I want you to learn how to approach asking. And I want you to be a person who asks with confidence. A lot of times we're not sure of ourselves. And I think that hinders your ability in life to stay on the right road. Should I do this? Should I do that? Am I in the right place? You spend a lot of time back and forth and back and forth. I think it's just good to say, yeah, this is the one. This is the job. This is the place. This is the city for me. I shouldn't know that I should be in Savannah. I shouldn't be questioning where I'm at. Always asking God, do I need to move? Do I need another job? Some of you say, did I marry the right person? You're married. Stop asking that question for today. Today, let's not ask that question. Let's have one day we don't ask that question. Thirdly, say rethink, rethink. What, you do. what you do. I want you to learn that what you do needs to be consistent. If a person wants to reevaluate their life, you've got to decide what I should be doing and what I shouldn't be doing. And you just make a rule. I don't do that to people. I don't do that to people. I, I, just, I just don't do that. I won't do that to people. 
I won't, I, I will not, I will not, I will not cheat on my wife. I will, I will not, I will not. Don't, don't clap for me. Don't, 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 don't applaud. Just hear me. I, I just rather tell her. If I was gonna be a fool, I'd just come and tell you all. I have decided to be a fool. I've decided. I've just, you're not gonna have to read about me in the paper and take pictures and videos, sneak up and I just tell you, come take a picture. Here I am, fool. But I just don't want to do that. I've seen what it does to people. And I do what I want people to do to me. I'm not doing that to my family. My daughter's not going to have to be ashamed of me. I apologize. Uh, that sounds arrogant, but I mean it. I'm just, I don't want that. I don't want to look in the mirror and see that guy. That bothers. I feel sorry for, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to, Put anybody down who's in that land, you're trying to get out of it. I love you and care, and I'm not being mean. I'm just I'm saying, this is where I am. I counsel people through that. I work with people through that. I pray with people through that, and I don't want that for me. I don't. So I'm trying to rethink what, what, what I do, and I want to be consistent. Number four, say rethink, rethink. the road you're on. Now, now here's, what, here's where this is, this, where he, and he talks about this narrow gate and broad gate thing. I'll talk about that in a minute. And, and, and this is all about being clear. And I'm kind of being a little redundant here, but that's, that is the bottom line for me. I am so clear at 57 years old about certain things. I am just so absolutely, absolutely, absolutely clear. I see, stuff drops in my mind. It bothers me because I don't want to say stuff like this because it just drops in. You know, I'm... I'm uh, let me just say it and leave it alone. I don't know who it applies to, who may it help you for a minute. There's a man and you're, you're interested in, a younger woman, and you shouldn't be. Brother, I don't know who that is. I don't know, who that, I don't know where you are. I don't know if that's a sister. I don't know who that is, but, but in my mind, it's a brother. Aren't you clear? I know I am. Let me make, put it on me. I am, I am clear that that's a bunch of foolishness for me. For me. For me. A lot of young girls around here, a lot of young people around here. You know, you you safe with me. I ain't gonna bother you. I ain't winking at you. I ain't gonna nothing. You're safe. Like they say in baseball, safe. <laughs> safe with the brother. Because that's a bunch of foolishness. What do we have in common? You're at one season, I'm at another. Age, say this, I love this. Say age, age is, not is not just a number. It's a season. It's a season. Let me help some of you young girls. You ready? This free. What you want with me? Not that anybody asked for me. I'm just trying to make a point. I'm 57 years old. You are how old? He's how old? Where are you on the planets? Let's be real for a second. I'm not saying that all age differences are bad and all spreads are bad. Some of you are married to older people and you're happy. I'm not saying that. But for somebody, this makes sense. For somebody, there's a moment here when you need to be clear. You're not thinking clearly and you're not even willing to. You're too impressed with young girls, guys. You're too impressed. You're looking and you're fantasizing about stuff that ain't true. It's not, come on, wake up. You know that's not true. Be clear. I am clear about certain things. And here's why that's important. Because God can trust me if I'm clear. 
He can bring people into my life if I'm clear. If I'm not clear, he has to keep people away from me because nobody's safe. Tracking with me? Come on, talk to me. You tracking with me? See, I have to be a person who is clear. Right now today, there are people that are embarrassed, public officials embarrassed over stuff that was from way back when they were younger and got lost track. My heart goes out to everybody involved, but it says something to me. Temple, you cannot be a 57-year-old fool. You cannot be a foolish person who, is, who, who knows better. My, I've lived too long to not be clear. You've lived long. Now, I want to say this to you, and I heard somebody say this the other day. Younger people, you may not be clear because you have not had enough time on the clock. You just don't. You just haven't seen it. You just have not. You cannot name the people you've seen die from lung cancer. That's why you smoke. Once you see enough emphysema, once you see enough stuff, you will put that down. You'll find a way. You'll, you'll fight it now or fight it with, it with something around your nose trying to breathe. You'll figure out later on after a while. This is not a game. All you have to do is go through a bankruptcy. All you have to do is stand in front of the judge and raise your right hand and say, is your marriage irrevocably broken? Can you, have you tried everything? Yes, I have. You and your husband have agreed that it's irrevocably broken. Yes, it's irrevocably broken. After spending all the money, making all the effort, you stand there without bridesmaids, without anybody on your side, without any, any, any dinner afterward, no dance, and generally you're one person and a girlfriend or a friend, and it's normally, normally the women who I saw there. Guys don't show up. It's the one, the one that I went to. I don't know the stats on whether that's true, but the day I went to get my name adjusted because my name was spelled differently and I happened to go to court to have to change the spelling of my name, and uh, my name is spelled R-I-C-K-Y, it was R-I-C-K-I-E. I didn't know that until I, you know, the security changed and I looked at my birth certificate, I said, hey, I spelled wrong, so we switched it. But I, so I had to go down there, but that's where people get divorced, I've told this before. And I, I'm, I'm standing there and I'm thinking, gee, look at, and I was the last person on the docket. And I know God set that up, I mean, my attorney, I'm standing there and, 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 and so uh, I thought, boy, everybody in here, everybody in here is getting divorced. But me, I guess that looks bad, doesn't it? My wife said, they're going to think you're getting one. I thought, I didn't think about that, babe. <laughs> I didn't think about it. But in that moment, in that moment, I stood there, and I'm telling you, I think I should take every person who wants to get married to that event. If you don't get on the right road, this is where you can be. Time on the clock helps you see that. This could be me. And in this room, there are lots of people, dozens, who've gone through it, and they can tell you that it's not a fun moment. I just, I just, I just remember him saying, you are hereby divorced. And I looked at that young woman walk away from that, from that witness stand by herself. And I wanted to get up and hug her. I thought that wouldn't go over well. <laughs> I mean, I really did. I mean, I was really moved. I had never seen a divorce in my life. I'd married hundreds of people. Never once seen one. Never, ever. It is life-changing. 
And when you got time on the clock, it'll make you think about, yeah, I love you, baby. Tonight's the night for love. And nine minutes later, you by yourself, confused and wondering where he's at. Generally, that's the case. Or he can't do much to help you. Time on the clock should make you wiser. You should build differently when you've lived longer. There's no excuse for me to be foolish now in some areas because I have lived longer and I should build differently and I need to rethink how I'm building. I should be informed. Lord, help us get that point. Say amen, that's free. That's just free. Man, what do you say after that? I almost want to dismiss. Go back to number one. Let's find our way through this. Every now and then in life, you have tips to help you. And if you take these tips, they keep you on track. You take them and you file them away in your mind. And you say, these are things I need to keep in mind. This is a moment when I've heard some advice that is helpful to me. I, I love this first thing on our list because it's something I've learned in a number of ways. I needed to rethink how I judge people. Matthew 7, 1 says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be what? Judged. Now, watch this. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse, verse 3 says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eyes, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. Look at this. Hypocrite. <laughs> Strong word. Hypocrite first will remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. I love the way the, the message Bible says it. Don't pick on people. <laughs> Say that with me, please. Come on. Don't pick on people. That's what this verse is about. It's not about saying it's wrong to have an opinion about somebody. I used to think it meant that, that when it says judge not that you be not judged, I thought it meant, okay, well, it's wrong to have an opinion. No, if somebody's hair is not combed, it's not combed. If somebody's, you know, not neat, they're not neat. It's not about that. It's about being unfair. It's about being unfair to people and coming up with, observations where you're just basically criticizing. Look at how the Message Bible says it in Matthew 7, verse 1 through 4 in your notes. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Boy, apply that to your kids. Wow. Apply that to your children. Imagine that somehow God said, you know, the same way you walk in the house and yell and scream is the same way I'm going to do you. Imagine. First things out of my mouth are going to be what's wrong with you. Why didn't you do it? And I'm going to bully you into doing it. Imagine that that would be his approach to you. I love the way he says this. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. I'm not saying you can't point out and guide. I think it's important to do this. I think it's important to be a strong, honest person and a, and a clear parent and a clear coach. But I think it's in a clear mentor. I'm like that. I really tell people the truth. I really try to be honest and upfront. Um, but I think there's a danger when your whole life is about coming to quick conclusions and, and making it all about what you see in others 
and not even being willing to consider what's wrong with you. I love that comparison. There are two important questions he asks in all of these verses. He says, are you harsh in your judgment of others? I've learned that people that are harsh toward others are harsh toward themselves. You're hard on you. I'll come back to that in a minute. Second big question is, are you honest when you compare yourself to others? I love the way he says, okay, you got a, you got a, you got a, a, a plank in your eye and they've got a speck. You have this big beam in your eyes and you got a, they got a splinter in theirs. Are you the kind of person who, when you compare yourself to others, you almost ignore where you are and all you can see is where they are? I've seen this a lot in families. You blame your dad, you blame your mom, you just see that all you can see is the, the big issues in them, as if there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And I think that works against us. Because people need to know that you're not talking down to them, that you're talking to them. So rethink how you respond to people. Rethink how you judge people. Secondly, rethink how you ask. Now, I love that he turns to this part of the discussion because I, I think a lot, of, a lot of us will never ever get our lives going in the right direction because of our approach to asking. We're either too timid, or, or, and generally that's more the case than being aggressive. I want you to notice how strong he says this in Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Say that with me, please. Come on. Ask and it will be given to you. Now, this is powerful because in the Greek language, the way it's stated, stated, it's like keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Asking will be given to you. Seeking you will find. Knocking the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. Young, old, doesn't matter. God's concerned about everybody's request. Imagine that. And I want, I want you to know he's really pushing confidence here. I want you to ask me with confidence. I want you to say, this is what I want. Not that. I want a Mercedes-Benz car. Jesus. Now, Pastor Temple, now I think they should just ask for a Ford because Jesus would drive a Ford. How do you know that? Why, why is that important for you to define what they ask for? Why can't they just ask for what they want and you ask for what you want? Why don't everybody just read the verse for themselves? And then don't take this position that you need to somehow define it for everybody, because here's how you, you lose people. When you make God your God in your perspective, important, he's your God in your perspective, and, and you got to be really careful that you don't communicate to people that it's my God and he thinks just like me. I believe one of the most important things in preaching is to make sure you're, you're balanced. There are some of you that do not care about any of that. And I think that's fine. I think there are kids in here, your big ask, you know what it is? I want some tennis shoes. You know what Jesus says? Go for it. My kids better not ask me for no for tennis. Why not? I, I think asking's great. I don't say yes to everything, but go ahead and ask. When they ask me for stuff, I don't want to give it to them. I say, let's pray on that. I'm not going to tell you no. I rarely tell them no. I tell them no. I asked my kid. I called my kids. I said, did I tell you guys no a lot? Yeah, you told us no. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you asking me that now? Are you having a problem, Dad? You told me no a lot. But 
But here's what they told me. We got things, but it was tied to responsibility. But I, I just believe that you kill people's dreams sometimes when you, you tell them they can't have everything. Everything's wrong, everything. It's too expensive. Stop saying that all the time. Just say, we're, we're praying on that. Let's pray on that. I'll pray, pray for the money for that right now. I don't have the money right now, but let's believe God for that. How much those tennis shoes cost? $400. Let's pray on those $400 tennis shoes. We're going to pray on those four. Don't see some of you. I, I, I ain't even asked you for the tennis shoes. You're up here moaning already on the front row. I'm just making a point. You know, it's, you know there, there are people... There are people that do things that I would never do, and I'm the only one that with the problem. I'm the only one with the problem. As if God is somehow overwhelmed because you asked for something fantastic. There's somebody right now praying. Uh, uh, I better not say that when I might get in trouble. I'm going to say somebody praying for a jet. I ain't going to say that because y'all going to think I'm talking about somebody. See? See, I ain't going to do that because y'all think I'm talking about something. I'm not. I, I think it's fine. I give to the jet myself. That's just me. Praise the Lord. You say what you want to say. You can be upset. I don't care what anybody says. I would give to the jet. Now, you say, what you talking about? See, if you don't know, praise the Lord. Now, <laughs> I don't jump on people because they want things. It may not, may not be wise. It may obviously have a bad backlash for them. I'm sorry it did. But, you know, praise God. I'm just making the point that there are some people who have a different ask than I do. And what gets you in trouble is condemning each other's ask. When you're married, that's what gets you in trouble. Let me give you, Diane asks if she likes to cruise twice a year. How often would I cruise? Zero. <laughs> I like it. I've been one over. I like cruising. But if you ask me, when would Ricky Temple ever go and look for a cruise, sign up for a cruise, dig out a cruise? That girl, she, she knows all about that stuff. And I just get on the boat. She, she, she finds it, she books it, she does all that, and then she'll even pay for it. She like that. Dad, I'll pay for it. I want a cruise, brother. Just mark, and then I look on my calendar. We have these calendars, you know, where, they, where it's, it's, we, we share calendars. And I look up, and she blocked off a whole week. And all I see on there is cruise. <laughs> I said, okay. I guess that means I'm not doing anything that week. Now I'm seeing grandbaby, praise the Lord. This whole thing just blocked off. And it's all good. That's her ask. That's what she wanted. Let people have what they want. Stop fighting over stuff that people want. Let, God said, asking it shall be given. Seeking they'll find. Knocking the door will be open for them. If it's not your door, leave people alone. Let them have it. Come on. Come on. Let them have it. Praise God. Let them have it. It doesn't have to be what you think. And I think that's what gets people in trouble. You know, I, I try, you know, if I can just push this a little further. I, I try, you know, um, when I talk to God, I, 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 sometimes I don't, I, if I can be honest, I, I, sometimes I, I think I, I'm tempted to believe I should ask for what you want rather than what I want. Let's say what I want is wrong. It's okay. It's got to help me with that. But if I'm not careful, and I see this a lot in marriage, you lose your capacity to individually dream. And I, I think that's one of the things you, you should not allow to happen, even in your children. My son loves music and puppetry and, and stuff. I am not a puppet guy. I never dreamed of having a puppet. I'm not going to move. I don't, I don't even know how to use them right. I mean, it's, it's just okay that he wants to do puppets and he wants to do what he does and he does an incredible job and he has a great job he loves and he's touching thousands of kids and he's having a ball. Yay! 
And you know what makes it great? I celebrate it with him and go watch him. Do it. Are you the kind of person who will not let people ask for what they want? Now, here's the deal, though. You can't get mad because I, I'm not, you know, there are things they ask me for. And I said, you know, we, I, I, that's nice, but man, that's not, that's not my calling. So there are some things in life you will find liberating if you can let people be who they are. But now, be, 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 don't be angry when people can't, don't want to partner with you because that's not their dream. Can we say amen to that? Yeah. So, so let, me, let me, if I can, read it again. Asking it will be given to you. Asking it will be given to you. Asking it will be given to you. What did I say? Asking it will be given to who? One more time. Asking it will be given to who? You. Look at your neighbor. Say, ask, and it will be given to? Point to them. You. You. This is talking, we're talking about you. Not me. You. Seeking, and you will find, knocking, it will be open to you. Everyone who asks, whether you're young or old, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. And it makes this great statement. That he's not going to give you a snake and a rock. He's not going to give you anything bad for you. He loves you. God's big on that. Now, I have a question I love to ask when I think about this verse. What, what do your actions say you're asking for? What are your actions say you're asking for. A lot of people, your actions say one thing. Your words say something else. Your words say, I want to go to college. Your actions say, I don't want to finish. Your words say, I want to be married. Your actions say, I want to be divorced. Your words say, I love my parents. Your action says, I'm selfish and don't care about them. I only care about me. You don't care about the finances of the family. You don't care about what's affordable, what's not affordable. You don't care. Go to the college you want, get what you want, you, you know, you want what you want. They take you out to look for a car. If it's not the car you want, you moan and groan as if you're going to pay for it. I mean, please pause for a minute and ask yourself, do my actions say I'm thankful? Let me tell you, let me tell you what's amazing. When your parents die, like my mother died, right? Here's what you find yourself thinking. What did my actions say to her all of our lives together? Did it say I was thankful or did it say I was selfish? When you go out and you don't call and you stay out later than you promised and you don't call in and you, you tell them you're going to be back at 12 or 1 and you don't get back to 2 or 3 and then you come home with an attitude because they ask you where you were and they tell you, please don't do that again. And you just, your actions say, I don't care about you. That's what your actions say. Your actions are asking for them to put you out of their lives so they can have peace. That's what your actions are saying. But your words say, no, I love you. But your actions say something else. What do your actions say you're asking for? Jail? Is that what your actions are saying? Going to the store stealing? Is that what your actions are saying? And you're going to cry when they catch you? And you're going to pray and ask for God to deliver you? What do your actions say? Your actions are not saying, bless be God. That is what I think about. See, I want, my, I want to ask for things, and I don't want to be ambivalent. My big word for the day, you ready? Look at my definition. A word for the day. My word ambivalent. The word ambivalent means something that's powerful. It has a very powerful and dynamic meaning. Can you put the word up for me, please? My team, are you there? Simultaneously experiencing or expressing opposing or contradictory feelings, beliefs, or motivations. 
Simultaneously, I feel I want to do right, I want to do wrong. I love you, I don't love you. I care, I don't care. Are you ambivalent or are you clear? Are you a person who is absolutely confident in what you're asking? When you go to God without ambivalence and you're sure, you approach it differently. That's what he said I want you to do. Come to me and ask and watch me work. And I want you to feel as if it's right for me to have. I believe there are some things you're entitled to have. I think you have a right to say, this is what I want. I believe I'm married to Diane and I'm entitled to certain things. I'm entitled to her attention. She's entitled to mine. There are certain things. I can, I'm not ambivalent. I'm clear. There are moments in my life that I should be before God knowing God's going to do that for me. God's going to free me financially. God's going to give me opportunity. You should say that because I have done my part and I believe that God will meet me. And my attitude is right. Favor is on my life. Say that with me, please. Come on. Favor is on my life. So your life gets on the right track when you approach asking with the right attitude. And you're confident because you're clear. You're not ambivalent. You're sure. Your actions line up with what you're asking for. And so God can bless you. Third word that stands out to me in this chapter, in chapter 7, is not only that you should be a person who rethinks your, your ask, but rethink what you do. And I've kind of talked about this, you know, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. And I've talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to go through that a lot. But it's, it used to call it the golden rule in verse 12. Rethink what I do. And I need to make sure that what I do is consistent with what I want to happen to me. Fourth thing I need to rethink is the road that I'm on. And I've talked about this a lot, too. I need to be clear. There are two roads. Verse 13 says it's the narrow gate and the wide gate. Enter by the narrow gate, verse 13 says in Matthew 7. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. In my life, I choose where, what road I want to be on. And as I said to you earlier, I need to be really clear about what's the right road and what's the wrong road. I gave my illustration earlier about being faithful and loyal in 57, that whole thing I went through. So I kind of jumped, jumped ahead a little bit. But that is what this point's about. It's about being clear. I know what's right. And so I don't have to hear that again. I don't have to make that decision. I don't have to go down that road. I'm done. I'm, I'm finished with that. I'm really clear. Being late is not good. I'm clear. I, I'm, taking, I'm taking the road that few people take. There is a broad road and there is a narrow road. The narrow road has students who study because they understand they have tests and they have goals. The broad road are the people who go party and have a good time and ignore their responsibilities. The narrow road are people who understand the danger of debt and how it's going to tie you down and hold you hostage for life. Very few people are going to save money in, very, in America. Very few people are saving money. Very few people are taking care of themselves compared to those who don't. Very few people are really paying attention to their eating habits compared to those who don't. And so this is what's going to happen. The broad road of people, the broad gate, the people on this road, most of them are going to be sick, 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 with no money. Oh, it's going to be tragic. Oh, I prophesy in a few years. It's already starting. Younger and younger and younger. I was talking to somebody just yesterday, and he was telling me, he said, the funerals are getting younger and younger and younger. They're not just a bunch of older people now. It's younger and younger and younger. And so here's what's going to happen. You're going to get older, and you're not going to be healthy, and you're not going to have any money, and you're not going to have any dignity. 
And then you're going to have to butter up to somebody who has something and hope you can stay with a family member and hope you can make it work and hope and hope and hope and hope and hope. And it's, it's, this is what's going to happen to you. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be with a family member. I'm not saying if you're there that you should feel bad. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not saying you, just, you could just testify to somebody else and say, don't do this. You could help somebody by saying to a younger person, don't make these choices. You can tell them. You're clear. You know that's, that's what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is doing it. But you should know better. I love the way, the way the Message Bible says it. Don't, don't look for shortcuts. <laughs> don't, don't spend your life looking for these little shortcuts, little quick, quick, quick places. Don't take the narrow gate, the broad gate. That's the shortcut. Go the way that's a little bit more hard, no more demanding. It may take you a little more energy, but if you do it right, it'll help you. And lastly, I'm done. Rethink how you build. Now, this is what one of those verses in Matthew 7, as he closes this out with an incredible statement. Here's what he says. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the crisis came, and the debts came, and the strife came, and the economy went down. And the friends left, and all the problems of the world beat on that house. But it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on a rock. When you build something, and it's built on a rock of information that is factual and true, you have a better result than those who build on what he calls sand. And I want you to listen to what he says. Whoever hears these things in mind in verse 26, and does not do them as like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, back up for a second. Look at your life and say, OK, when did I build a part of my life foolishly? Go back and say, at what age did I make decisions that were foolish now that I look back? And now here's another question. When I look forward, how am I building for the future? Am I doing the same thing? Am I now building something that's not sustainable? This is not going to last. There's no way this affair is going to last. There's no way that spending like this is going to last. There's no way I can keep eating like this. There's no way I can keep acting this way. There's no way I can be this angry this long. There's no way. This is not a way to build the future. And I am too informed to do that. So you have to pause and ask yourself, where am I going? And that is next week's study and the next month's study. There are two questions I want you to think about all week. I want you to go home and meditate on this. Where am I going? Say that with me, please. Come on. Where am I going? That is the question for our church. I'm asking every leader in every department. Where are we going in media? Where are we going in our children's ministry? Where are we going in the pastor's office? Where are we going? Where are we going in our marriage ministry? Where are we going, youth? Where, on and on. Where are we going? Facilities, where are we going? Where are we going? And here's the second question. You ready? Is this the road that will get you there? That's the, you got to ask that second question. I'm going to college. Okay, well, is this the study habits that will get you? Is, is the, are these the study habits that will get you to college? No. No. No, you're not going to college. 
You're not going to college. You're talking to college, but your actions say you're not going. Where are you going? Out of debt? No, you're not going out of debt. You're not headed out of debt. Where are you going? Pause for a second. Ask yourself, your relationship, where is it going? Next week, there's a question a guy asked in the Bible that was so profound. He said, where are you and where have you come from? Where are you and where have you come from? That question gripped my heart. Where are you? And I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to think about this and I want you to meditate as I close. There's a powerful moment in your life when you can say to yourself, God, I get it. And I want you to lift your hand with me for a moment. And I want you to say, Lord, I'm going to think about that question. Where am I? Where am I going? Hallelujah. Is this the road that will get me where I say I'm going? Hallelujah, Jesus. I thank you for this moment with your people. I pray they leave this place encouraged. I pray they leave this place challenged. I pray they leave this place lifted. I pray, God, that your spirit would touch them today. It's time to fight. We saw what happened to us. Now we've got to do something about what happened to us. We've got to rethink everything. We've got to get on the right road. And we've got to fight. We've got to rethink how we fight. We've got to make hard decisions. This is the time to change. This is the season. And Father, I believe by faith that we act today. Just make a small step in the right direction. You'll change our lives. I thank you for your spirit that can heal hearts today. Can lift minds. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would free people today. Who came in here with bondages, emotional traps. I pray that you would deliver them today. And allow the Holy Spirit to bring healing to their minds and healing to their souls. May they leave feeling, I'm clearer today. I am clear today. I know what I need to do. And my ask will be seen in my actions. I'm not going to worry about judging people. I'm going to do to people what I want done to me. And in the name of Jesus, this is the day that my life changes forever. Now, with every hand down, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Rick, after hearing the message today, I decided that I want you to pray for me because I want to start a life with Jesus today. I want to make a 